Hello and welcome to the show that really doesn't know what it's going to do with its Tuesday mornings now. But today in the first of two shows this week, we look back at the final weekend of the season and tomorrow you'll be able to hear us looking forward to the playoffs. So it's time to celebrate with Bolton and Cardiff, to commiserate with Barnsley and Burton, to high-five Rochdale, to put an arm around Oldham and to give Barnet fans a little bit of space and time to process this. It's all on the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Hello, Caroline Barker. Don't come to me first because my team lost in the playoffs and I don't want to talk about it. And clearly there's some drunken bums to my right who do. <laughs> don't ask me about my team, you said. Bang! Right from the off. Bad weekend for Chelmsford. <laughs> Matthew Stanger. Doesn't really matter about Blackburn now. They're already up. But you were at Rochdale, weren't you? I was at Rochdale. Amazing scenes there to see them stay up. I was also at Preston and got to see the other end of the spectrum with Burton's despair at going down and... Uh, yeah, great weekend all round. Lovely stuff. Joe Crilly, Bolton Wanderers fan Joe Crilly has just walked in and he looks like he slept with a coat hanger in his mouth. <laughs> I've never seen a grin like it. How are you, Joe? Um, recovering. <laughs> has, it been, has it been emotional? It has indeed. Um, I mean, it, it couldn't have been any more topsy-turvy, could it, if, uh, if we'd have uh, scripted it. But yeah, Sunday was... Uh, it was it was mad from about half twelve till half two, and then it was even madder uh, until <laughs> about ten minutes ago. We're going to get more details on that later. First of all, though, let's start at the top of the championship. Cardiff, they only won three of their last eight games. They stumbled over the line, but but frankly, Caroline, who cares? They did it. We could get better odds on Sunderland getting promoted before the season started than on Cardiff. And listening to Neil Warnock talking about whether he thought maybe his side didn't have enough. I mean, he didn't give that. The day he walked into the club, he said, yeah, we'll, we'll get promoted, we'll go up. But but yesterday he was then saying, well, I know this point that I'm in, the tears flow, the celebration, the record eighth. He is, I think we described it as a, as a wonder of the world in terms of managers. And, and he is that Neil Warnock. And you can see how he's galvanised this this parts list he had brought them all together and and got them promotion brilliant and see Vincent Tan carried by the fans <laughs> who'd have thought how quickly things change Matt um, we know how this all works when you look at the teams in the playoffs Derby Middlesbrough Aston Villa and Fulham um, whichever one goes up it doesn't matter Cardiff are going to be favourites to go straight back down next season aren't they You'd think so, and uh, Warnock said already that he, he needs five or six new players for next season, which, uh, as you said, Ian, isn't a great show of confidence in his squad. But he says plenty of them, he thinks, will do a job for him in the Premier League, but it does look like they need to invest, especially up front, because Guy Medine came in in January, hasn't scored for only six million move from Bolton. Uh, Kenneth Zahor, there's a lot more to his game than just finishing, but he's only got nine goals, and you need someone to be a little bit more prolific than that. Caroline, I think they'll stay up because they've, they're, they're organised, they're strong, they don't kind of slack off. I, th- I think they'll be fine. But do you think Neil Warnock will be there with them? I think he's bitten the bug again, hasn't mm-hmm. he? There was all that talk. I don't know how much truth there was in that about whether he'd just get them up and then walk away. But the way he was talking yesterday, that was definitely a come and get me, Mr Chairman, with your money and give me some money to, to put into players too. The wheeling and dealing he's done yet again, though, some of the, the free 
transfers that he brought in when he first came into the, the club, some of those signings that he's made that maybe were a bit left field, he can do that and he'll relish that challenge. And I think as long as he's got a challenge in front of him, which clearly he has at Cardiff, but a challenge that he feels he can cope with and deal with, then I think he'll stay. Most of these teams that go up, there's a kind of like standout player, the reason that they've gone up. But it's not so much with Cardiff, is it? It's more of a team thing. Definitely, real uh, collective effort. You look at the back, Sol Bamber and Sean Morrison have been heroic all season. 11 goals between them as well, so they've shared the goals throughout the team. Uh, Morrison getting that brace against Hull when they really needed to win after after Fulham beat Sunderland in the penultimate week. Uh, Junior Hoylet's been fantastic as well. I obviously watched him come through at Blackburn. He was brilliant there and he looked every bit of Premier League player really and uh, then obviously lost his way a little bit at QPR, but he's, he's been tremendous for Cardiff this season. So it really has been a, a team effort and uh, I think for f- for Warnock, he, he will now just look to, to tweak, like you say, and just add a few extra players. Caroline, you were on the uh, Football League show uh, for the Championship uh, eventually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fulham, Fulham picked a hell of a time to lose their first game of the year, didn't they? What happened? You're actually still watching it today, aren't you? <laughs> uh, Fulham, if they play that badly as they did at the weekend, then I think they will struggle in the playoffs. I, I just don't know the Fulham side that was there and, and chatting to a few of my Fulham supporting friends I have a few very posh uh, they they were saying they don't hold out much hope but I said this is exactly what you say to me every season <laughs> and he got you into the playoffs when perhaps you thought you wouldn't and it's the fact that they've they've gone do you want to say the M word or shall I not say it? No, we'll save no the M word for tomorrow's All right, show. We're not talking we'll, about the M word. I'll tell you what, we'll but... talk we'll talk more about Fulham tomorrow. Um but let's talk about Birmingham today. Um because they looked in serious, serious trouble when Gary Monk came in and they've ended up five points clear, Matt. He's, he's done a good job, hasn't he? He has done a really good job, but it was a bit of a surprising result against QPR when he lost 3-1. Because I watched a game uh, the previous week when he beat Sheffield United 2-1, came from behind in that match, and St Andrews was rocking as it was against Fulham. And Birmingham were brilliant, and you'd think on, on that form they definitely would test Fulham. And uh, then he slipped up against QPR, but came roaring back against Fulham on the final day. And uh, I think Harley Dean was, was a big lift for them. It was his, his first appearance since um, he was sent off at Wolves, and uh, he was a rock at the back and obviously got the goal just before half time to make it 2 0, and, and that really put it beyond Fulham. Uh, of course, an, another team beginning with B stayed up um, Joe Crilly, this is your time. Um, <laughs> That that must have been a little bit tense, a bit of a seesaw. Uh, it was. My my girlfriend had to tell me to uh, stop swearing because we had the back door open and there were children playing outside. Yeah, but three three minutes to go. You're two one down. You're going down. I mean, did did your faith flicker? It did. It, it flickered um, to start off with when I saw the team sheet and saw that Aaron Wilbraham was starting ahead of Adam LaFondra. I certainly thought that if anybody was going to get the goals that kept Bolton in the division or certainly gave us a hope, it would have been LaFondra. And of course, he came off the bench and scored the first. Uh, and Wilbraham, having scored one goal all season, uh, which was a very vital goal indeed, it was um, a last minute equaliser against Sheffield Wednesday um, a few weeks ago. So he won a point there and uh, he obviously got the vital goal at 3-2. So, I mean, I, I was obviously reliant on results from all over the place, but nobody ramps up the tension like uh, Jeff Stelling. So he, he made it even, even more worse than it, it was watching. I was on the phone to my dad five or six times in the last 20 minutes. And what's the feeling among Bolton fans now? Because it was getting a bit poisonous uh, towards the end. It looked like Phil Parkinson, regardless of what happened, wasn't going to get his way back into the supporters' affections. Has this changed anything? Uh, well, I've, I've always been um, part of the... Um, part of the... the, the 
core of, of supporters who've maybe thought he's he's had his hands tied. Uh, he started the season with 23 squad players because that's all we were allowed because of Football League uh, guidelines, because of the, the restrictions that have been placed on the club. Um, and I, I was always of the thought that if he went, if Bolton went down, he, he deserved at least another stab at, at League One. Um, a few people, I, I'd say it's probably, it, or it was a 50-50 split. Um, I think it probably still is a 50-50 split. I think what he needs to work on is perhaps a plan B. Uh, when Medine left, the only option then was to put Wilbraham up front because all we had been playing was long ball football, hitting Gary Medine and hoping that he would flick it onto somebody else. Uh, and Wilbraham, uh, the best will in the world, is, is 38, 39 in the summer. Uh, he's not going to be a long-term fix. So we need a plan B, some way that we can perhaps... Uh, bring somebody like Adam LaFondra into the game more as a poacher rather than somebody who has to create uh, a chance for himself and then score it. Uh, so if he develops a plan B, and we'll probably see uh, with the signings, because we've got 20 players out of contract over the summer, we'll probably see with the players that he keeps on and the signings that he brings in what his plan will be for the for next season. But I certainly think he deserves another chance, yeah. Matt, for every winner, there has to be a loser. Bolton stay up. Burton, dear, dear Burton, go down. I think it was the Preston fans that killed Burton, actually, because I was at Deepdale on Sunday, and as soon as the news came through of those two goals for Bolton and that they turned it around against Nottingham Forest, the Preston fans were cheering, they were celebrating almost as if they got into the playoffs, and uh, they were chanting, you're going down to the Burton fans, and the players on the pitch just panicked. They completely lost their shape. They were still at 1-1, and they had five minutes left to push for the winning goal that would have secured their survival. And Nigel Clough said afterwards... We lost our cool, we lost our shape, and it's frustrating because you know, had we kept our shape, we might have been able to still sneak it. And uh, and yeah, sadly for Burton, 10 men, Preston, on the break, managed to get that goal that sent them down. It didn't send them into the playoffs, though. Um, but regardless of that, with the injuries they've had, um, seventh place, a good season for Preston? I think it's a brilliant season, and I think... The fact that they were just so relentlessly professional against Burton on the final day when it was clear what was going on at Derby and they were never going to get that playoff spot, I think that really bodes well for next season under Alex Neal. I think he's done an excellent job. They lost Jordan Hugel in January, which was a massive blow. They played almost without a striker uh, second half of the season. They definitely played without a striker for a good portion of uh, Sunday's game because they lost Billy Bowden for two ridiculous uh, bookings on his part. Uh, Lewis Moult came on, got a goal, hasn't really been firing since he joined from Motherwell, but I, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about with Preston I love uh, the fact you said two ridiculous bookings on his part because I was glad the referee booked him for the diving for the second and because it takes a strong referee to say that knowing that that one's going to be the one that sees him sent off as well Burton you're right though and, and Nigel Clough with those comments at the end so much calmness they've showed in those important last stretch of games at least to get them to that point where they still had it on the final day of the season. And it just went. It just went everywhere because they had the possession, they were getting the chances, had they just kept going. I thought the real turning point was when that goal was disallowed for a, a handball, clear handball. And I thought, right, that's it. This is Burton's now. They will go on and win it. It was almost like one of those situations where the further away you were from survival on the final day... Yeah the better your chance of staying up because Bolton needed everything. They needed that, that M-word, that momentum going into those last 10 minutes to, to <laughs> get the two goals. for the M-word. Whereas Burton, because they were within touching distance, they just collapsed when it, when it was suddenly snatched away from them. Well, I'll tell you who else collapsed. 
Barnsley and Jose Moraes uh, sacked almost immediately afterwards. So you've got a board of directors there who've come in, bought the club, um, Paul Heckingbottom's left. They've had to make this appointment to try and keep him up. It really hasn't failed. Uh, Caroline, do you think there's a case of buyer's remorse over at Barnsley? Well, to have the, the clause in there already so that they knew almost... The minute they get relegated, that he'll be gone and on his way, which was helpful for us trying to put a show together because that happens straight away. Normally, <laughs> that happens like 10 o'clock at night. You think, no, particularly when you're on late. I, I just hope they're right in their statement afterwards when they said we need to be proactive on and off the pitch during the summer because they've just not been. And yeah, Marish clearly didn't work. I mean, who here put their hand up and said it would work? It's producer Teo I feel for because uh, Rui Faria, another Jose Mourinho assistant linked with the Arsenal job and perhaps uh, Marais shows that uh, that's not the way to go. Uh, right, we uh, don't have enough time to talk about everyone, dear listeners. So I hope you'll forgive us if we do miss out a few teams. But a few that I just very quickly wanted to mention. Uh, Bristol City and Sheffield United met the, uh, a hugely entertaining game. Sheffield United, 3-2 winners. Um, but two teams who were you know, pushing for promotion earlier in the season, Matt, and they finish uh, 10th and 11th. Disappointing seasons or well done for being that high in the first place? It's all context, isn't it? I think uh, we'll look back on this season and think that they've both done incredibly well to, to finish where they have. Uh, considering that Sheffield United were promoted last year, Bristol City only survived relegation late on. But given the fact that they were both up there for, for the majority of the season in the playoff spots they'll, they'll look at it and they'll be frustrated that they didn't get over the line uh, it was a great game actually at the weekend considering they've both been running on fumes for the last few weeks and the big thing for Sheffield United is do they hold hold on to Chris Wilder because he's apparently frustrated at the power struggle in the boardroom linked with Sunderland that's the big question well, let's hope they, they do because they've been great fun to watch this season um, on the other side of the Steel City and there's a lot of recency bias uh, in this but Sheffield Wednesday beat Norwich 5-1 extraordinary run of form they seem to have clicked at entirely the wrong time um, but do you think that's enough to you know build confidence could they be contenders next season two real disappointments for me Sheffield Wednesday and, and Leeds this season both of whom I thought would do better so having gone into the season thinking that they would do better particularly Sheffield Wednesday who knows what will happen this time next season but but clearly clearly they have within them you would think the ability to do better yep congratulations to Sunderland finally gave their supporters something to cheer about battering the champions 3-0 and even Ashley Fletcher scored um the extraordinary weird performance I've got my hand up because um, I, I said it at the weekend <laughs> about Barley coming on do you see the 16 year old kid that came on for the last few minutes and John O'Shea handed him the captain's armband and let him captain the side for the last few minutes for Sunderland. If they're going to do well now, they've got to do well with this brilliant talent they've got coming through the youth ranks and and there's a team that you would hope if they can sort out off the pitch will come straight back up. I hope we should just say one word for Will Norris as well, the Wolves goalkeeper, making his first championship appearance, two errors and subbed with 20 minutes to go. Not the best performance. (laughs) Good luck. A a word too for Paddy McNair and his uh, mazy run. Uh, Hotshot goalscorer Paddy McNair. I did not expect to see that. Um, uh, The one final note, uh, QPR have released a number of players, including Jamie Mackey, James Perch, Jay Manuel Thomas and Nader Manua. Matt, that must be the better part of 150 grand a week off the wage bill. Yeah, and hopefully that will be reinvested in the squad with uh, Ian Holloway able to bring in a few players. But the biggest thing for QPR has been 
uh, Holloway placing his faith in, in the young players over the last few months. And I think that's great to see a side that's sort of marooned in mid-table a little bit, looking to do things a little bit differently, promote players from their academy. And we've talked about the work that Chris Ramsey and Les Ferdinand have done there before. And, and uh, now keep our bearing the fruit with that. All right, Joe Crilly from William Hill. Um, we're already looking ahead to next season here on the Totally Football League show. And next season we'll be joined by Stoke City. Um, what odds an immediate return for them? Um, as you can imagine, they are amongst the favourites for next season. They're three to one uh, to go straight back up, sixteen right. to one to do a Sunderland. Uh, Wigan and Blackburn will be joining us in the Championship as well. Matt's very happy about that. Um, what does it look like for them? Uh, still quite short prices to go up. Actually, uh, Wigan six to one, uh, Blackburn seven to one. Uh, that's for promotion to the Premier League. Four to one, Wigan uh, to go back down to League One. Blackburn seven to two. And uh, go on then, Bolton. Um, what price for them to go down next season? Oh God! Uh, yeah, we've not even priced up Bolton going up. Uh, six to four to go down. One to two to stay up. Lovely stuff. When we come back, the fan league. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out WilliamHill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Hey, Fan League, everyone. And this will be a little shorter this time because we are obviously out of Football League matches. Um, but there is still one opportunity left to play. Uh, they've topped up the slip. Uh, it's all the Premier League games and some La Liga matches. So get the app. It's Fan League. It's on the App Store. Um, and you get a slip and you just pick home win, away win or a draw. Uh, on the Totally Football League League, Lawrence White continues uh, to lead the way. Oh, he's actually in second, but by someone who's barely played any game. So he's really the moral leader. And I am very much uh, 52nd and the loser in every sense of the word. Um, and we'd also like to thank Fan League for their support this season. Thank you, guys. Right, League One. Matt, you're at Rochdale. God, a lot of things happened there. A lot of things happened. Uh, it was for 80 minutes or so, an excruciating afternoon in the sunshine. Um, I'm not a Rochdale fan, obviously. I have no affiliation with the club. I can't imagine how their supporters were, were feeling, uh, knowing the uh, the way the game was going at Northampton Oldham and, and that they needed a win for uh, a decent period of that match. And then Joe Thompson came on, the story of the day in the Football League, uh, a, a man who's fought back from cancer twice, came out on that Wembley pitch in the Spurs FA Cup replay and probably thought that was the high of his season maybe the high of his career and then he goes and scores the goal to keep Rochdale in the division and he was the coolest head in Scotland on Saturday with that finish because Rochdale really didn't look like scoring before he came on and the way he just shifted his body in the penalty area drove the ball low into the bottom corner and uh, the place just erupted. And there's two things to note here. I mean, one, they're playing Chelten Athletic, who've still got stuff to play for. All right, it was quite likely they were going up, but it wasn't definite by by any stretch. Um, and two, uh, February 28th, they were thumped by Spurs 6-1 at Wembley. I think they were bottom of the table then, weren't they? Um, or at least second from bottom at the very best. A few games in hand. It's a long, long way back. They've only been beaten three times since then. I mean, Keith Hill has kept his head and done a hell of a job there. He's done a remarkable job yet again with Rochdale. They continue to punch above the weight, really, considering their budget relative to other teams in that division. But 
I think the, the best thing about Keith Hill, really, the, the thing that deserves most credit is that he really sticks to his certain style of football. They like to use the ball, Rochdale. They go direct at times up to Calvin Andrew, who I have to say was brilliant on Saturday as well, doing everything for his team, running the ball into the corner in the final five, ten minutes as well. But uh, they play three at the back, they have the wing backs high and wide and, and they look to attack and they look to take the initiative against teams and, and that's what they did against Charlton even though they were a bit nervy in defence at times and, and looked like getting caught on the break. So they're winning 1-0 um, and then full time but it's not the end of the story is it because they're still waiting on news from Northampton uh, against Oldham which is 2 all and has been 2 all for some time. And the Rochdale fans have to wait for nine minutes. That was painful. It really was. It was a sweaty nine minutes. And uh, <laughs> I was watching uh, an old uh, an old time a Rochdale fan walking up and down, pacing uh, along the touchline, just head in hand, just waiting to hear that news from Northampton. He actually, on the back of his shirt, he had up the dale, down the ale, which I thought was a, a brilliant <laughs> bit of printing. And clearly it was down with the ale uh, at the end. So I always wonder at these at these junctures, who who takes control? Is there one person with a transistor radio? Is there someone on Twitter? Is there one like designated communicator? Or is it just mass panic? It's mass panic. But I, I am pleased to report that I did see a guy with a a radio pinned to his ear, nice. uh, and it wasn't just thumbs pinned to, pinned to uh, mobile phone screens on this occasion. So, uh, but everyone was just glued to whatever device they had in their hands to be able to find out the score at Northampton, and then when it came through, the pitch invasion was brilliant. Seeing the players in the tunnel, they were watching the TV screens. They had the radios on too. But Joe Thompson was probably the coolest because he said that uh, his mates who played for Oldham were on the bench. The minute they heard that Joe had scored, they were like, right, it's written in the stars. There's no way we're coming back from this or we're down, so we might as well give up now. So they'd already thought, that's it, we're done. That and is clearly firm belief it. in football narrative there. Well, he's, uh, there's some beautiful uh, interviews with him over the past 24 hours, one of which just says the minute he scores the goal... The silence. Clearly, everything was going off everywhere and he just said for that moment, everything stopped and he took it in. And just to have that moment of emotion, everything running through him. We all do the cliche, don't we, what went through your mind? But he said it did all go through his mind at that moment. He thought, I've just done it. Oh, I've just got, done it. I've got goosebumps then. That was lovely. Um, what wasn't lovely, though, was uh, the, the day for Oldham fans. Uh, two all draw against Northampton, not enough. Um We've watched quite a lot of them. You've spoken to Richie Wellens, who took over after the first few weeks, Matt. Um, what happened? I've come on with stats. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to defend Richie Wellens' record because I don't think uh, he should take the majority of responsibility for Oldham going down, ending their 21-year stay in League One. So if anything, this jolt might actually be a good thing for the club because that is a long time to stay in the, the purgatory of League One there. But, uh, so, so, just, so Richie can Wellens... Can I just take issue with that? Yep. The amount of times I've heard that over the past uh, 24 hours, too. It's just because, you know, I like to have an argument with you. This could be a good thing for the club going down. Never! <laughs> Listen, she down. has thumped You never want to go down, but you are right. Sometimes clubs do come back better as a result. But never do you want to go down. No, you never want to go down. But I do think that the shock of being relegated after 21 years in the same division might have some sort of positive effect in the long term. Like we say, especially yeah, considering that they've got a new owner as well who's looking to bring in players from all around Europe and everything. But Richie Wellens' record. So, Oldham <laughs> lost seven of the first nine matches. They might have no wins in the last eight games, which is a dreadful way to end the season, obviously culminating relegation. But under the 37 games that he's been in charge in League One, they've had 10 wins, 11 defeats, 16 draws, 
extrapolate that over the course of a full season and it's 57 points that would put them in 14th. For a guy to come into a situation where it was already crisis mode in his first ever job as a manager, I think he's handled himself brilliantly and I think Oldham should stick with him next season. Here's what he said after the game. I thank the players in the dressing room because the majority of them gave absolutely everything in training. There are some players that let the group down, and all in all, it's probably cost us. The players who are successful at this level have character, and they show heart and desire, and that's what the fans want. But it's just a shame that some don't do that. Who's he talking about? Naming no names. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a difficult situation for him to play because obviously Abdallah Lemsigam, uh, being a football agent, has so many connections throughout the game. And Richie Wellens really, if he wants to stay in that job, doesn't want to point any fingers at the, the owner's players because if they're the ones that perhaps haven't performed for him, he needs to be quite diplomatic about that situation. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens there in the summer. All right. Uh, it will also be interesting to see what happens at Plymouth, Caroline. Um who I don't know if anyone has mentioned this, but they were bottom at Christmas and and then very, very nearly made the playoffs. I've heard that mentioned a lot in the last 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Absolutely (laughs) gubbed by Gillingham on the final day. Um, Not that it would have made much difference without the gubbing being very much reversed with emphasis. Um, and, And they seem to sort of run out of steam, depleted by injuries. First of all, hell of an achievement. But secondly, what next? Oh, it's a long season, right? We were talking about Rochdale, some 60 games. Keith Hill says he makes his plan 16 uh, games ago to try and sort things out. When you're in that situation, you have to try and plan with the resources that you've got and then you get those injuries that affect you. What can you do? What can you do? I think right manager there, come next season, they'll be OK and they'll just stick by him as, as they have done. And I, th- I think they'll be all right and they'll go again. And we'll press next time because it just they've got a bit of heart. They've got something about you. And I know that sounds daft and, and clearly that's why I'm not a football manager. Um, but I'm just trying to give you a chance to get your own back on me, Matt, which is not happening. Well, uh, Matt, uh, actually, I wanted to ask you about Portsmouth, another uh, big club um, just outside of the playoffs this time. And the board seem to be quite, quite firm in their belief that Kenny Jackett's the man um, and that all dissent will be ignored here. Well, that's right. They awarded him a new contract uh, halfway through the season and uh, he's really got the goals out of Brett Pittman this season. And Portsmouth were pretty close, really, to the playoffs for, for a decent period of time, considering they only came up last year. And, and Kane Jacket took over from Paul Cook, a man who obviously masterminded that promotion from, from League Two. And it's not always easy to be the guy who follows someone who's had so much success at the club. And I think Jacket's done really well in his, his first year there, even though, like you say, there are some sections of support that perhaps uh, aren't, aren't his hugest fans. Okay, just one more team I wanted to look at. And again, apologies if we're not covering your club. If it's any consolation, we're not covering my club either. We have a lot of ground to cover. Bradford. Bradford opened 2018 with a 2-1 win at Fleetwood. They were fifth. They were eight points safe in the playoffs. Since then, they've won three league games and they've ended the season 11th. What? They've been dreadful pretty much every time I've seen them in the second half of the season. I really don't think the owners have to worry about those £1 <laughs> season tickets in the Premier League at any time soon that, they, that they've promised. And there's already talk of Simon Grayson actually heading to Scunthorpe at the end of the campaign. Really? So uh, he could be taking over from Nick Dawes there uh, after the playoffs. And he was talking about his future at the weekend, saying that the club just need clarity, they need to know what's going on and need to be able to move forward. And the, the sort of the message that was coming from Grayson, it didn't sound like he was too committed. Caroline? Do you think they regret sacking Stuart McCall? Mm, yes, but I think maybe they should do a job swap with Nick Dawes because I've been impressed with what he's been doing. So uh, send him over. Have him <laughs> at, at Bradford. They'd have him, wouldn't they? Yeah, totally Football League show solving your problems this week. <laughs> uh, Joe Crilly from William Hill. 
League One next season, Sunderland are coming, you'd expect them to go straight back up. If you'd not watched them at all for the last 12 months, last three years, last five years. Ten years. Um, yeah. Uh, they're five to two to win the league, even money to get promotion. Really? And 25 to one to do a Sunderland. <laughs> Go straight, straight, Go straight down the again. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-five to one. Oh, weigh that up. Um, Accrington or Luton? We know which team Nathan Jones thinks is best, but which team's got the best chance of staying up? Um, Luton. Uh, so. Accrington are three to one to go straight back down. Uh, Luton actually are just three to one to get promotion into the championship. They wow. are seven to one uh, for relegation, and both sides are thirty-three to one. Accrington twelve to one. Uh, Luton to win the league. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Joe Crilly of William Hill. When we come back, League Two. Listeners, when it comes to shaving, you value precision. And so do Harry's. They value precision so much that their blades are German-engineered. They value precision so much that their razor handle is non-slip with textured grip. And that's why I've just changed all my shaving products to Harry's. And you can too, by heading to harrys.com league. Harry's Cucumber and Aloe Shave Gel lathers into a luxurious foam, allowing those aforementioned German-engineered blades to glide across your face. And their post-shave balm will leave you extra cool and fresher than ever. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get a special Harry's trial set delivered right to your door for just £3.95. What's in that trial set? Well, the handle, in your choice of blue, orange or green, a five-blade cartridge, the foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover. Find out more at harrys.com league. That's harrys.com league. League two then, oh Barnet. We spoke to Martin Allen, he had high hopes, he was right to have high hopes, they couldn't have done anything more, Caroline. They they walloped Chesterfield 3-0, but it wasn't enough. Not in quick enough, was he? He didn't pick nope. up that, that phone when he saw it ringing on the Sunday night when he was sat at home on the sofa. What are you going to do with, with Martin Allen? He gives you what he's going to give you, he did it, he achieved, he said what he, he would do, but if you've got... Coventry more from the other side of it then there's not a lot you can do I know there's been some criticism perhaps over the the style of play for at least the final 20 minutes in that that Coventry Morecambe game but I had this argument with Clinton Morrison on on Saturday and that's not me dropping a name it's just someone I had another argument with Matt and he was he was talking about well you know if you're out there you want to go on and win win the game because the danger is of course that anything could happen so so those that haven't seen the Coventry Morecambe game essentially they both needed a point a point is what they got the last 20 minutes people were standing off there was no real pressing um and and there weren't really the opportunities but there were two good saves Barry Roach won brilliant save in the first half at, at least so there were opportunities in the game as a full 90 minutes but if you're in that situation Clinton's argument is that anyone could go up one end and score and then what do you do how do you change it? But both managers had spoken about how they would have changed it and, and made substitutions and made things happen. But if you're in that and you need a point, then you're not going to want to press because you don't want to give away a goal and, and vice versa. So I, I understand the situation, but Barnet fans could do absolutely nothing about it. Matt, call me cynical, but I've got a feeling that Martin Allen probably won't be there next season. And, you know, he's in a position now where he's just very nearly achieved the impossible. Um, and he looks pretty good right now to any potential suitors. Absolutely, and uh, probably deserves 
another job in the Football League after what he's done again at Barnet, almost keeping him up. And uh, he appeared non-committal about his future after the game. There was that great response where someone asked him, should he have been brought in sooner? And he talked about how he's quite busy at that stage when, when Graham Wesley took over. He, he had a lot of gardening to do. Apparently his gardening's looking fantastic now, though. Uh, but you would look, you'd think that the likes of, say, MK Dons coming down from League One would maybe take a look at him. And uh, obviously he's been manager of Barnet five times, but three of those occasions were for fewer than 10 matches. So he hasn't stuck around in the past. And even though Barnet had the infrastructure to come straight back like they did in 2015, I'm not sure that he'll stay. Well, good luck to Barnet and good luck to Chesterfield as well, uh, both of whom went down. If you're wondering, by the way, dear listener, why we're not talking about teams in the playoffs, it's because we've got another show tomorrow for you, um, which is exclusively on the playoffs. So we're just uh, passing through all the other areas. Those other areas include Crew Alexandra, um, who improved markedly as soon as I'd said they're absolutely going down, Matt. That was just what they needed to hear, wasn't it? Can they pin this podcast to the dressing room wall? Picture your face on the dartboard, Ian. But uh, they ended this, the season really strongly, and uh, it was great to see at the weekend, actually, they played that all-academy 11 against Cheltenham. I think yeah. it's the second time they've done that. Uh, they did it in 2013, I believe, as well. And uh, to, to see them win 2-1 with a, a group of players that they've produced is, is just a brilliant thing for the club going forward. Caroline, congratulations also due to Forest Green for surviving their first season in the Football League. It wasn't always easy, but they're still here. Uh, as is my want, I'm going to just briefly talk about Crew again. God uh, damn and it. just say how funny that everyone assumed they'd be about 17 or 18 because they've all come through the academy, but, but clearly not seeing the legacy that Crew have had over many years. Forest Green, uh, JJ Hooper and co. I always thought they had enough in them to do all right, Forest Green. And pretty much like the National League when they were in it, they have time to work things out. So clearly the money's there, the support's there from, from the owner, but it's it's just trying to get the right manager in to work things out. And I think that'll happen. And I can see Forest Green going on and doing well. We had some uh, very interesting stats that confused a load of people at the weekend about how long it takes for teams to stay up, who go straight through the leagues and, and up and through. If you get out the National League, then the chances are you'll make it into League One and you'll continue to progress, such as the, the money that comes through with those teams too. So I think Forest Green will, will be fancied. Yeah, Matt, I was quite surprised that they didn't kick on further after the January spending. Um, I, I think it's difficult, isn't it, in your first year in the Football League? And they relied heavily on Christian Deutsch for, for goals. Uh, brought Ruben Reed in, obviously. He sort of continued the stuttering form that he'd shown at Exeter early in the campaign. So I, I do think that Mark Cooper will, will take them on next year, though. Uh, I think they've had some really strong performances this year. But what also a, a great end to the campaign for Grimsby, who wow. we wrote off uh, a few weeks ago and... and Boy, did they look doomed. It's and almost as if you can see my script. 13 points from a possible 15 for Michael Jolly. Um, once again, we should acknowledge the fact that we were openly laughing at how bad Grimsby were just before they went on that run. What I liked about the win the other day was that we've been talking about how Grimsby just seemed to get about 35 yards from goal and then just welly into the stand <laughs> on every attack. But JJ Hooper just moved a little bit closer to the goal. Some brilliant finishes. <laughs> tremendous hat trick. I like the way that they all ran in the same direction to close down the same player, leaving acres and acres of space. <laughs> but they seem to have stopped doing that now, so they're not nearly as entertaining. Um, no, well done to Grimsby. I think it was 20 matches without a win. Um, that is... Uh, horrific run and they managed to turn it around right at the end well done too to Newport very nearly went down last year and never really in danger this year or actually seemed more likely of going up in the playoffs at 
fantastic debut full season for manager Michael Flynn. And well done to Crawley as well, who embarked on something of a football revolution under Harry Kuehl, which got off to a terrible start. And well done to everyone at the club, because they could have panicked. They didn't, and they rallied to finish mid-table. If only they'd listened to people actually talking on podcasts and I such. Know. So what are they doing with Harry Kuehl, TM? <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's proved us all wrong, hasn't he? Um, but again, you just need one bit of quality with your team, particularly at that level. You talked about about JJ. I mentioned him too. You just need that bit of quality that will will guide you through. And why wouldn't you want to play under Harry Kuehl? I guess it's at what level he can take that up and through to. If you're if you're a striker, if if you're a forward that wants to learn your trade a bit, then you'd want to go and play for him. Well, I tell you, we're going to go to Joe Crilly at William Hill because I kind of fancy Crawley to um, to to make a push for promotion next Ooh. season. Yeah, yeah. What are those numbers, huh? Well, it's, it's not as big a price as the the saner ones of us around the table would have thought. Uh, but five to one for Crawley to get promoted. Oh. All right, I'm a little disappointed about that. Um, Mansfield, uh, the appointment of David Flitcroft, I'm not sure it, it really worked as, as well as they would have liked um, after Steve Evans went off to Peterborough. They didn't make the playoffs um, and they did invest heavily as well. But next season, next season, their season, isn't it? Yeah, you can imagine that uh, Flitcroft will be given a bit of cash to spend um, at Mansfield and they're amongst the favourites to go up 7-2 to two for promotion. And uh, Macclesfield are coming. To play with us, uh, welcome Macclesfield fans doing any advanced homework. Um, what what do their numbers look like for next season? Uh, they are seven to one for promotion and eleven to four to go back down. So a much shorter price uh, to go down. But often you see uh, the teams and Caroline was just talking about it there. Often you see the teams coming up from the conference um, tend to do quite well. There isn't much difference. I wouldn't have thought between the the lower half of of League Two and. Uh, perhaps the top third of the conference. So I, I imagine Macclesfield will give it a, a jolly good show. Lovely stuff. Right, we would go to listener questions now, but it's mainly just people like Aaron Cox and Jack saying, is Joe Thompson actually a superhero? For the record, yes, yes, he is. Um, it's uh, Jack saying, just plenty of Joe Thompson love. I think we've done all of that. Jordan wanted to talk about Preston. I think we've done that. So... We can move on, I think. Little chuckles over there. Well, you missed... Something you'd like to share with the rest of the class? That was just the first time for everything that Mr Crilly makes a joke and we, we appreciated it. Did we not? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Caroline Barker. Thank you, Matt Stanger. Thank you, Joe Crilly, Social Paul, producer Tayo. And thanks to you, dear listener. And it is double bubble this week, so it is with great pleasure that I can say, see you this Wednesday. Well, that doesn't work at all. (laughs) The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Listeners, before you leave us, a quick public service announcement. Our friends at Gimlet Media have released a new podcast called We Came to Win. It's a documentary series about the hidden stories behind the World Cup's most iconic moments, and the first episode tells the tale of England's epic run at Italia 90. It features a couple of voices you'll know very well, like Ian McIntosh and Matt Scott, and amazing football writers like Pete Davis. Here they are describing the bad old days of the pre-Premier League football stadia. And if people needed to urinate, they'd go up to the back of the terraces, urinate against the back wall. So by about midway through the first half, you'd literally be standing in torrents of piss. Uh, it was... Uh, Vile. <laughs> it was awful. 
So never wear, never wear your best shoes to football back in the 80s because it wouldn't be good. You can find We Came to Win wherever you get your podcasts.